Lombardi Line as we welcome you in. Good morning. Happy Sunday to you. I'm Patrick Maher, live from the VEASAN studios here at the South Point, where they're filling up the book here behind me on a Mother's Day. Michael Lombardi hanging out in Jersey. How is, I feel like I always get a weather update from you. How's it going there as far as the weather? On the you East know, Coast? well, you know, it hasn't quite, uh, hasn't warmed up quite enough yet, but we'll get there. It's eventually, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's spring in the East Coast, so you get a lot of, some days you get a cold day, warm day, kind of goes back and forth, but, it, you know, it's Mother's Day, so we'll work our best around it. It's not a beach day, I can tell you that. We're not going to go sit down there and watch the ocean come in, I can tell you. Do you, do you and Millie, when you all lived near Venice, right? You were right there on the beach in California. Playa. Oh, Playa del yeah, Okay. Playa del Rey. Yeah. Do you, did you two like the warm weather constantly, or did you miss the seasons changing in Ocean City? You know, I miss the seasons changing. I think it was really, it, I mean, the weather's spectacular in Los Angeles, you know, when you get the rainy season, though. But it was, it was always so nice. Uh, but, you know, living in California, when we lived up in the Bay Area, that was even nicer because you had the fog would roll in and, you gorgeous. know, you would get the cold nights. Yeah, it was absolutely gorgeous. So, yeah, there's a reason California is so expensive to live in because the weather is conducive. Here, you know, I would say from June all the way through October, the weather is really sweet here. Uh, and then the winter isn't as bitter cold as you might suspect. The wind is problematic because you live right on the beach. And so the wind comes off the ocean and kind of can make you uh, stagger you in your steps the dogs love it i don't <laughs> yeah, yeah it is the taxes are crazy in california but you pay for what you get and then the, there's no taxes here in vegas but the taxes allergies francine just yes. landed she got allergies i don't know what it is about the i don't know when you were hanging out here with your it's mcdonald's all coupons over, if you had allergies. all over the place <laughs> i mean the pollen the pollen here is the highest it's ever been i mean it's really not to cry on anybody's shoulders but i think that the allergies have been uh problematic for me as, as everybody on the East Coast. I mean, the pollen rate is just ridiculous. So I feel for you, Patrick. You, know, you, you. got to take your, you got to take your, got to take your medicine every morning, you know, <laughs> yes. call the drugstore. Well, those text messages yeah. in the morning from you to remind me, people don't realize what a great guy is, is if you taking your medicine, yeah, Patrick, take it. that's from, take that's your from med, Michael. take your meds every day. Yeah, there you go. Hey, quickly, uh, Russ tied Oscar yeah. Robertson. I wanted to mention 108, 181 career triple-doubles, which is nuts. He's going to average a triple-double for a fourth year in his career. Uh, but a big win for all of a sudden a team that, you know, they're going to be in the play-in, Washington and the Wiz. Uh, kind of a dangerous team just because of the two-guard situation with Beal. Don't, but don't you think when we get to the playoffs, when we get to that frame of the NBA, that defense is really going to matter? That yes. the teams that they can kick up the defense, can turn the lever, can really kind of you know prevent shots and really work on, on inside out, being able to protect the middle and then also be able to cover the three-point line. I think that's where, to me, where I think this is where the Wizards – story ends up ending badly because they just can't play defense on a seven game series 100%. and they can't expect to shoot well in a seven game series to win it. No, I think you put it well. Uh, teams will start to focus right now. The playing in the East uh, Boston, Miami's a game and a, a game up on Boston. So Boston seven, Charlotte eight, Washington nine, 10, Indiana. We come back. Why are the Eagles upset with the giants? We'll find out. But first here's an action update. Thank <laughs> you.
This is Brent Musburger, and here is your VSIN action update. Now, here are the latest lines from my guys in the desert. Miami and Boston are battling for the number six seed of the Eastern Conference. That's the final guaranteed playoff spot. Team seven through ten must play their way into the playoffs. Miami, a point and a half underdog at Boston today, 220 and a half the total at the TD Garden. Cubs and Pirates at Wrigley. Kyle Hendricks on the mound as the Cubs play for their sixth consecutive win. They're laying $1.70 against Tyler Anderson of the Pirates, plus 155. Nick Pavetta, 4-0, a 3.23 ERA for the Red Sox. They're laying $1.43 at Baltimore today, plus 133, 9 flat. The total. VSIN gives you the tools to increase your sports betting IQ and make the most of every bet, including our 24-7 video coverage, odds and analysis for every game, our daily members-only best bets email, and in-depth coverage each week in Point Spread Weekly. Now's the time to sign up for your 10-day free trial, vcin.com slash subscribe. With your action update, I'm Mike Senna. Get the latest vcin odds at vsin.com. And remember, cash and tickets is what it's all about. We say hi on this Sunday. Okay, so I've teased it enough. So Devontae Smith was drafted by the Eagles. Remember, the Eagles traded with the Cowboys, jumped up over the Giants because the Eagles had a suspicion the Giants wanted Devontae Smith. I don't know. If I'm Kadarius Tony right now, I might feel a little insecure, Michael, because the Giants can't <laughs> stop talking about Smith. Tony, of course, the wide receiver out of Florida who the Giants actually took. Uh, but a bunch of reports coming out, including one SEC defensive coordinator saying that the Smiths were essentially, excuse me, the Giants were essentially obsessed with uh, Devontae Smith here. You know, for me, I don't know why they would be. Look, uh, you know, Smith is a really good player. You get to go play against him twice. That's got to bother you. But you knew when you were in that cluster to start the draft, when you were at 10, 11, and 12, that cluster was a problem. And if you really wanted Smith, the Carolina Panthers were willing to trade. Sure. They were more than willing to trade out of eight. They would have gone back as, as quickly as possible. So, like, this is really on you to think that the Eagles weren't going to try to jump you and that they worked out a deal with the Giants. But I would say I don't really buy this because the Giants end up with a player they liked in Tony. They got ahead of Jacksonville to pick him, and they get a next year's first-round pick. I mean, it's a really good deal. I mean, they've got two ones going into next year. Totally. You know, if – so why would they be so upset over it? You know, and the Eagles have yet to proven that they have a quarterback that's reliable to get the ball to the receivers. I mean, this is the Eagles have drafted in the last three drafts, a second round pick in Whiteside, a first round pick in Rieger and a first round pick in Smith. I mean, that's a lot of capital draft capital going to the receiver position. You better hope they hit with that. And look, you spent a lot of money on Galladay this offseason. You got Slayton. You know, you've got still have Sterling Shepard who you picked in the second round. So, you know, look, it may not be the most talented group of receivers. You've got Evan Ingram in there to add to the mix. So for me, I think when you're looking at the Giant team, you got to say, look, we got a first round pick out of this deal. We've got a really good young player and we've got a multidimensional player that can do a lot of different things, whether he's a true ZXF that I'm not sure of. 
Yeah, and a lot of capital on wide receivers there with the Eagles. This left to figure out what they have at quarterback. Uh, but that was a report coming out. Uh, another one, I don't think this will surprise you, and we'll get a quick update on Rodgers. I don't think it'll surprise you. The Bears have been looking to move Foles and have had issues doing so. Of course. I mean, he's got a guaranteed contract. You know, nobody wants to take it on. You know, the, the, the Philly doesn't want to bring Foles into into. Uh, the Eagles, even though he's because they know that would affect Hurts. I mean, sure. you know, here's a kid that's got a statue in front of him Literally. in the stadium. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, so like, and every Philadelphia fan are, is upset that they chose Wentz over Foles. So they can't bring him back. What you know, and so they're trying to move him. They're trying to get away from that. They can't. He's in the way right now. They, they've got to get fields as many reps as possible. Remember, this is a truly a challenge. Football is a game of mathematics. It's a challenging game in terms of getting reps to players. And if you go to practice one day and you have a two-and-a-half-hour practice and there's, say, let's say on that car, there's 80 reps you can get for a player. There's 80 offensive reps out there. And you're going to split those reps three ways. That hinders the development of the, third, the guy who's getting the third least amount of reps. Learning an offense for these college quarterbacks is challenging because it's like learning a language. You really have to go to Rosetta Stone here because these college kids, Justin Fields being the main example, even Trevor Lawrence to a degree, they all look to their right, they all look to their left, and they looked at those giant cardboard, you know, cutouts of Austin Powers, of, you know, of, of Dick Vitale, whomever they pasted in there, and they all looked for the play. No one had to get the play to all the players. Now when he walks into that huddle, He's got to command the language, and that's going to take some time. It's going to take some time, and it takes reps. All those 80 reps that practice that one day, you've got to get them all. And unfortunately, if Foles is in the mix, he's, he's going to take some of them away. I think it would be behoove them to get rid of them, but nobody wants to take on the guarantees. They're just going to have to eat the guarantee. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Remember, when he went there, when he went there, when he went to the Bears, they, they redid his contract from Jacksonville, which is where this all started. Jacksonville had guaranteed him. He had $17 million. So the Bears thought, okay, great. We'll bring him back in here. We'll, we'll take that $17 million and spread it out, and he'll be our backup at least. But that didn't work out. And seems to be confused. I said we oui, we oui, because he mentioned Rosetta Stone. I was doing my, yes. I've, I've learned. See? See? Uh, okay, obligatory maybe, but Rogers, an update. I don't have any specific information, but what can we look forward to this week? And why does June 1st matter in the Rogers conversation? Well, June 1st matters because that's when they could take the prorated bonus and put it into next year's cap, which allows them a lot of cap flexibility. So that's why June 1 matters. Uh, but I don't think that's going to really matter in, in terms of re this resolution. He here's where I think the Packers have to be uh, take a step. They've got to get it back. They have no back right now no. on their roster. They have Jordan Love. I mean, they need to go get a quarterback. They need to go get a quarterback. And, you know, I think they're really concerned about getting a quarterback because they don't want to, you know, what's, what does that mean? That means they're giving in to Rodgers. That means they're not, you know, they're accepting that, that their fate. I don't know what's the delay. I mean, they've had two quarterbacks on the right. Every team goes to training camp with four quarterbacks. One of those quarterbacks is going to work for the scout team. The other one's going to work, integrate himself in to get some reps. They need to get a quarterback badly. 
They really do. They've got nothing on the roster. Okay, so there's your Rodgers update. Had to do it. If not, I get, like, electroshocked. I mean, the guy is in the conversation constantly. Uh, let's talk about Corey. The The husband here of Steph is a huge fan of the Titans. I just took a look, and this randomly, for some reason, this jumped out at me as maybe a short number on the Titans in division, Michael. So if you take a look at the AFC South, the Colts are your even betting favorite in division, but the Titans are plus one. 10 right behind them. There's the chart. You see it right there. The Jags are sitting 12 to one and a team that could be all time bad in the Texans at 20 to one. The Titans have lost some key pieces this year. Are you surprised to see them so close as far as the betting favorite in the South? No, because I, I, I am surprised to see them that close there. Uh, especially when you consider they they have been so bad in drafting. I mean, really, they have not done a good job in player personnel. Now, John Robinson, the general manager, he'll never get any critiques of it. But the roster is not very talented. I mean, when you break this team down, you know, they've hit on a few guys, but they've missed. I mean, they, the, the, the kid they drafted out of Georgia, he didn't even – I mean, what first-round pick never makes it to even the training camp? I mean, the kid was nothing last year, hmm. you know. And so they you sprinkle in some Jeffrey Simmons, but they've missed on some free agency. This year they're counting on Bud Dupree to come back and give them some outside pass rush. They're counting on Caleb, Caleb Farley to be a guy that can really cover. Is he healthy enough? I mean, that's the reason he slipped. So. For me, this is a team that, look, I think their offensive line has got some real issues, especially on the right side, where they got Kendall Lamb, who was a player in Cleveland, didn't play very well there. They got Nate Davis, their third-round pick at 19. Ben Jones, they signed as an unrestricted. This offensive line, you know, has been helped a lot by Derrick Henry's ability to run the football so effectively. And then we've got to talk about where does – Arthur Smith's influence affect this team. Yeah. Where, where does that occur? You know, his game plan, his ability to take it. Can Todd Downing do exactly what they could do? I don't know. Now, defensively, you know, they've added a defense coordinator in Shane Bowen, and they also have Jim Schwartz, who's a really good coach, and Schwartz is going to help out. I think Schwartz will give them a lot more help, especially in third-down situations and replacing, you know, when they lost Dean Pease years ago, so a couple years ago. So that does help, but I worry about the talent level of this team. Where do they get their juice? I mean, Corey Davis was the fifth pick overall in the draft. I mean, he never amounted to that. A.J. Brown's a good player, but they don't have any burst or any acceleration on that team. Uh, Adam Humphreys, they signed to a huge contract. He's never really developed. I think if you talk to Steph's husband, he would probably be just as disappointed in John Robinson as I am based on what's happened over the last three years. She, she said a bad word that I can't use on the air, but trust me, suffice to say, Corey is upset and he should be. I mean, they focused on defense. So uh, Adoree Jackson, obviously giants, Malcolm Butler gone Jenkins and Johnson come in. I just always worry about just buying replacements. And then we mentioned Smith at tight end Corey Davis, who actually had a pretty good second half of the season last year. They, they really haven't found replacements yet. And a big one, is the offensive play caller in Smith who's coaching the Falcons. Nine is the total. I see a nine and a half at another book on the Titans. I'll give you nine. What's your snap judgment on that one? I mean, I'm not going to jump all over it. I mean, look at, look at, look at these drafts. 
Farley this year, Isaiah Wilson last year, Jeffrey Simmons is a really good player, Rasheed Evans, who they didn't pick up their option on, Corey Davis, those are the five, those are the ones. Adoree Jackson's gone, Jay Conklin, they re-signed. So now we get into the second round picks, Harold Landry, you know, Kevin Dodd, Austin Johnson, you know, they hit with Derrick Henry at the bottom of the second, you know, and so where are they going? I mean, they really haven't been able to add this depth, and then free agency, he has been truly, John Robinson has not been very good at free agency. It's just a fact. Clowney last year, you know, Vic Beasley, you know, look at some of the guys they signed that just don't, Malcolm Butler's contract, that was ridiculous. You know, Deion Lewis, they overpaid him, and I love Deion, but they've over, they took a lot of Patriot players and they never really worked out, so for me, I, I think their talent level has overachieved based on where they are as a football team. And of course, that's the tentacles coming down, right, because Robinson was a part of that New England front office. He, yeah, he was. He was there with us. Yeah, and you know, the year he le he left right before we won the Super Bowl in '14. So, you know, but I mean, look, this is it. It takes integration of pro and college to work together. And I don't see Tennessee. Look, they got very fortunate with Tannehill. You know, they picked Mariota. That didn't work out. They've had a lot of bad picks, and I think John's been able to, to, to kind of, because they've won, people have not looked closely at where they are as a football team. But when you break their roster down and you break their picks down and you see where they are and then you add that free agency and you look at their depth chart, you're saying this is not a – I mean, okay, say Fairley, Fairley is healthy and he plays really well. Who's the other corner? Who's right. going to, Janoris Jenkins is over 30 years old. You sign him this offseason. You know, Baron, Baron Borders is their other corner. He was a free agent on the street in 20. I mean, where are they going to get guys? They drafted Elijah Molden as a safety. He's this inside player. So where are they going to get, where are they getting corners from? And then let's just say Bud Dupree isn't exactly the best rusher. Who else is rushing? Who else is going to be their rusher? And I think you have to judge. You know, I think Corey Davis is a very talented player, but if you're going to use five overall on the wide receiver out of Western Michigan, he's got to get a second contract from the initial team, and he didn't. So that's no a bust. doubt. And he, but but he was never he was never an explosive. I think he got overpaid by the Jets. He's a zone receiver. He's a jump ball receiver. You spend a fifth pick in the draft, you can't take a jump ball receiver. You got to take somebody who can separate. The other thing we didn't talk about Guskowski. How many games did he lose for them? Last yeah. year, you know, he had a chance to, you know, a chance to win, the, to send the game to overtime against Pittsburgh. He couldn't do that. You know, I mean, that was another one, the kicking situation here. And then, look, let's be real honest here. What happens if Tannehill gets hurt? Logan Whiteside's their, their back, Woodside's their backup quarterback. You know, Deshaun Kaiser's now there. You know, he's bounced around the league after starting in Cleveland. I, I just, and, and the other area, what happens if Henry is not able to duplicate what he's been able to do. Last year, you know, Will Hill had these numbers. A lot of, of miles. That many a lot, of, a lot miles. of miles. on, And he has been the deodorant to cover up a lot of the sins of the Titans. There's been no doubt about that. He has hidden it. He's done a great job. Him and Arthur Smith, uh, to me, were the MVPs of their team. And I think Vrabel's a really good head coach. I think Vrabel's a very good defensive coordinator. I think Vrabel's a very good head coach. Game management, clock management, all those things. He gets his team ready to play. I think he does an outstanding job. I think Schwartz will help him in that area, too, so I'll add more. But the reality for me is, is like, I don't understand, you know, where is the, this most talented? That's why it's shocking to me that they're always up there in terms of the conversation. But, look, the division is bad. I, I could see Jacksonville overtaking them in a little, a little bit here. And credit to Vrabel, 
11 wins last year. By the way, that analysis cut like a knife in studio. Steph is under her chair right now. She's unhappy, fetal position, not happy with the Titans uh, because it's going to be an unhappy fall at home. It really is. Poor Daisy's got to deal with it. Yeah, well, look, you know, I think the, the thing that's got to come through for them, it, you say, how do, how do the Titans compete? Well, the Titans compete because Dupree's really healthy, right? Let's take the yes, positive approach. that's a good one. Dupree's really healthy, okay? And then he's rushing the passer, and Henry's running the ball like he always does, and he stays healthy, and, and Tannehill's able to utilize their, their, their tight end situation. But remember, that where are their tight What is their tight end situation? In New England. You know, it's it thinks sir. Swarm. I mean, these are guys that were just on the street. I mean, you know, and so I don't know. I, I think it's going to be very challenging. And how good are they on defense? That's the main question. Can they cover anybody? Yeah. Even money on the Colts looks pretty good in division, no? Yeah, I, lo- I love the Colts. I really do. I love the Colts on their over number. I love the Titans on the under number. Mm. Mm. I was rough. That was rough. We had to get through it, but it was. It, it was definitely rough. Okay, so the Colts right now, uh, even money betting favorite there in the South. The Titans are sitting plus one ten. The Jags twelve to one. How about the How about the Texans sitting twenty to one? Yikes. Yeah. That well, I mean, not, yikes in general. We should come back and discuss that team uh, because again, there's so much consternation around the quarterback position. Yeah. Uh, but when we come back, you want to discuss that, Michael, because we'll, we'll yeah, throw up the win total because the people are saying they could be historically bad. I don't know if you're that far. I, I don't think they can be. This, I mean, the Browns were historically bad. This the is Lions, a historically yes, bad team. Course. Yeah, but but to me, I think what this really says is is I think this is going to pad how bad this division is is going to pad Indianapolis's wins. And that's why I think Indianapolis should be the team we come back and talk about okay. because Indianapolis could be a team that I think we, you could make some money on based on the win loss uh, over and under. Okay, let's do that. We'll come back, talk Colts, uh, slip in a conversation about the Texans as well. As we continue here on the Lombardi line, we've got Thomas Gable from the Borgata joining. We'll come back, run the board with Josh Applebaum as well. But next we continue Texans and really get into the Colts here on the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. It is VSIN, the sports betting network. If you missed anything, go to vsin.com. Stakes time and first bet is the best place to start your betting action, analysis, and wagering on every race. AI assisted picks to get you ready for the preakness. First bet is giving you $20 in free bets for all new users. Sign up now and use the promo code Vegas20. Also, everyone who redeems this $20 free bet offer will receive full access to VSIN subscription products for free. All right, so it's a great offer, and you can find all the information at vsin.com. 20 bucks for free. Express bet. Vegas 20 is the code. All right, Michael, so you mentioned the Colts. Uh, you know, I've seen varied reports. Some say, have they gotten worse? Have they solved the left tackle situation? Uh, but they're your yeah. even betting favorite in the South, the Colts. Let's start with an analysis of them. Well, I think eventually they'll either sign, they'll either, they could sign both of them. You know, they've got cap room. So they'll sign Fisher to kind of be the gap player to hold them over at left tackle. Right. Maybe they sign Schwartz to give them another option to give them some depth in the offensive line. You know, I mean, they've signed Sam Tevy, who played left tackle for the Chargers last year. Not good enough, but he played left tackle. 
they get Paris Campbell back, who was a good player last year until he got hurt. Pittman started to show that he had some some real talent. And, you know, I think they've got an opportunity with with the quarterback, with Carson Wentz under Frank Wright's leadership to really shine. And with their running back situation where they get a lot of their juice from, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Hines, you know, Mac missed most of last year. The strength of the team is in their ability to control the line of scrimmage with their offensive line. So I think that when you look at the schedule here, you know, they got the Texans, Jags, and Titans at home. The Patriots will be a tough game. Jets at home. I mean, you get the Rams, that'll be tough. Seattle will be tough. Uh, Raiders and Bucks. The Raiders, you know, you got a chance to win those games. And then you go on the road and you've got the Cardinals, the Dolphins, the Bills, the Titans. I mean, it, it's a harder schedule than you would say. It's, it's an automatic 10 and 7 team. And then that would just push you, so you got to get to 11. But I do think they're good enough, and, and I think they've improved defensively, Patrick. I think with pay, they get another pass rusher to go along with some of the other rushers they have, and they bring back their defense pretty much intact. And I mean, Buckner they really just, didn't lose anybody. Buckner just anchors. I mean, it, it, the, obviously Leonard, but Buckner is such a key piece. I, I, Michael, I love the team. They're juiced up a little under the 10, minus 130. Um, I don't know. I, I love Frank Reich. They drafted this kid. They drafted this kid from Vanderbilt in the second round, uh, and I can't say his name. Uh, he's a big defensive end that would have gone earlier, uh, but he was coming off, I think, a, an ACL injury that they yeah. had to get there. Da, Dao Obadigo, and so Odebigo, uh, and so I think if they can get him along with Pay to come in with their defensive front. I think they've got a really good chance. But look, let this whole conversation centers around Frank Wright and his ability to get Carson Wentz to play well. That's really what it comes down to. And I think he can. I think he proved that he could in Philadelphia. I think the more you read about the dysfunction that was going on in Philadelphia before when Frank Wright was there, after Frank let, Wright left, you almost side with Wentz to think that now he has a chance to get back to being a really good player because he obviously didn't respect the people that were coaching him before. And he has weapons, and he can come off the run, which will make a quarterback feel comfortable, right? I mean, I think this is going to yeah. be a perfect spot for Wentz. I definitely do, too. And I think he'll run the – you know, look, they can run the ball and they can control the game. I mean, the one thing about the, the Colts last year when you looked at them, you know, I kept saying this all year last year is, is when they played less defense, they were more effective. I mean, and that's the case. I mean, they typically control the ball 31 minutes in a game, you know, and that's pretty high. And when they have to play 38 minutes or they have to play more than they want to, you know, then all of a sudden it becomes a little bit problematic, and that's where they get in a hurt. Like in the Cleveland game, they lose. They only had the ball 25 minutes in that game. Tennessee, they lost. They had the ball 24 minutes. Baltimore, they lost. They had it 26 minutes. See, when they have to play, when they have to play 28, 29 minutes, the way they play defense, it's never going to be good. And when they get off the field, they're really good. 11 wins last year. We add a week this year, and the total set at 10. It's not a daunting division, obviously. I like the over. I'm getting right. plus money on it, too. I like the over, too. too. Yeah, that's what I like about it. Yep. Getting plus money at 10 right there. Okay. So there it is. And your ex expectations for Wentz. Would be what? I think Wentz will be better. I think he'll be better. I think, look, he's got to get corrected. He's got to get coached. He wasn't getting coached in Philadelphia. He was doing whatever he wanted to do. That was the big part of the problem. But I also think it's going to be he'll be under center more. You know, remember this, in Philadelphia, the owner doesn't want you to call running plays. The owner hates the run game, right? That's one of the reasons, if you read the article in The Athletic about Frank Wright and about the Philadelphia, how the, they wanted to fire Frank Wright in year one, call too many runs. Next year they go to the Super Bowl. 
If you're looking for oddities, just look at the video of Roseman and Donahue, I believe it was, and maybe that's systemic as far as organization, but you saw some a little bit of discord there in the draft room with the Eagles. It's odd there, to say the least. When we come back, we'll stick on that coast with Thomas Gable, Borgata, right here in Lombardi Line. got all the information and the free tools to help you become a better better track line movements with live charts estimated scores for every matchup parlay calculator betting 101 it's the place to go if you're just getting started or you're sophisticated better go to vsin.com we welcome you back here on the Lombardi line Michael I'm sure you saw this as we welcome in our buddy Thomas Gable who runs the race and sports book there at the Borgata a wonderful casino uh, over in Atlantic City. But Thomas, as we say hi, you see this Medina Spirit who just went off as 12 to 1 and won the Kentucky Derby has tested positive for an anti inflammatory. So that brings into question what's going to happen with the trainer and Bob Baffert. We say good morning to you as we bring up the story. Yes, good morning and uh, happy Mother's Day to both of you and happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there listening or watching this morning. Um, yeah, interesting uh, turn of events there for the Derby winner and, and certainly Bob Baffert. Uh, I'm sure there will be plenty more to come here as we uh, as the events unfold. Yeah, what, do you, what did you, what did you Thomas, think about they, that, Mike? They, 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 well, they say that, you, Thomas, and I, and I think you can speak to this, but they say if you bet this race, you keep your winnings. However, the race that the, the owners, the trainers, the jockey has to return their winnings as they go through appeal. But my question to you is, and you may not know this, Patrick, you may, you may know it, uh, Thomas or Patrick, is what did this anti-inflammatory supposedly help with as it affects the race? Or was it something just because he had, you know, muscle spasms or whatever? I mean, what was the route for giving this drug out? I'm looking into that right now, Thomas. You can jump in as well. I don't think... See, it's always it's it's always so hard to measure the impact of something like an anti-inflammatory because some would say it's completely nominal, it doesn't matter. Then some would say there's a, a dramatic effect, Thomas. So it's always hard to understand the impact of something like this. Correct, it is, and um, certainly look into. I, I don't know off the top of my head what the impact would have been there from it, but. Um, listen, I mean, this is certainly a sport that uh, you, you need to make sure the, the, it's clean. Um, it's been tainted before uh, by uh, this sort of thing. So there, there is a reason that these substances are, are banned or drugs are banned uh, for the horses. So it's, um, you know, it's not something you like to hear about, but uh, it's something that needs to be taken seriously. Yeah, and more studies, yeah, excuse no, no me, doubt. more tests are are in uh, are going down right now, Michael. So we shall see. There's going to be an appeal process yeah. as well. No doubt, but I think it, you know, and just and we'll get to Thomas's picks here in a second. But just I think if you realize there's drugs on the banned substance list, like you would have to be crazy to inject the horse with the drugs when you know the tests are coming. And these guys are way too smart for that. You know, I, I understand that, you know, 
you, you think you can mask them, but they can't. The technology is too good. So uh, I'm sure there's a reason for it. We're going to find out soon. Yeah, and Baffert said, it, I got the biggest gut punch in racing for something I didn't do. This shouldn't have happened. There's a problem somewhere. It didn't come from us. He ran a gallant race. We shall see with Baffert. Medina Spirit will have more news here on VSIN. Okay, Thomas, TG, what do you have here? Let's start with the Heat and Celtics. Yeah, the Heat uh, laying one point currently. This is um, an interesting line move. We we opened the Celtics laying a point and a half, and now the, the Heat are favored by a point. Total 221, and both, both these teams kind of battling here for playoff positioning and um, getting out of the playing game. Um, Right now, the Celtics are one game in back of the Heat for the sixth seed. Uh, and a few weeks ago, the Celtics really seemed to have turned it around, but then they faltered again. And they dealt with a lot of issues this year, but they just can't seem to get any offensive continuity going. They struggle against teams with a size advantage, which in the East are most of the top teams. Um, for today's game, you have Jalen Brown is questionable. Robert Williams is probable. But this is the first of two against the Heat here for the Celtics. And, Michael, what a difference just a few months make here. Eight months ago, these two teams were facing off in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, and now and now one's 36 and 31. The other one's three games over 500, the Celtics. And I agree. I mean, look, when they traded Theus away, they, they gave away any size advantage that they had. Not that he was a size player, but they're not being able to play small in this in this in this tournament when it comes up that's really going to cost them they become an easier play once you go through this and i mean look at and when you look over the splits in this game they're dead even 5 and 5 record the last 10 games both teams 5 and 5 against the spread 5 4 and 1 against the over and in the unpredictability of the nba if you're betting this game god bless you cuz you know more than i know and by the way pardon me thomas for not asking you what was it like last night? How was the handle for Canelo? You saw the crowd at Jerry World, over 70,000 people there. And Saunders, yeah. who was an undefeated fighter coming in from England, what was that like behind the book? So a lot of uh, Saunders' money, we, we actually won on the fight, and just people did not want to lay that price. I think Canelo went off as an $8 favorite. Um, nobody wanted to lay $8 for that. So you were getting more of the prop bets, um, people picking out different rounds where you thought Canelo might win or um, the uh, how he would win. But overall, we, we did win on the fight. Saunders, you know, he, he kind of changed up uh, how he was fighting there after yes. the first couple rounds and, and made it a little bit better of a fight and then obviously didn't answer the bell there for the ninth round. But, um, you know, what can you say about Canelo? I mean, the guy's, you know, probably the best pound for pound fighter in the country. Yeah. He's turning into an all time. Great. I mean, it's just the difference in power between Saunders and Canelo was, uh, it was really alarming to see. Uh, let's go Suns Lakers tonight. Let's set that one up here in a minute and a half, Thomas. Yeah. Suns laying seven and a half. You've seen uh, the line move towards them from the opener. They were, op they opened uh, laying six. The total has ticked up slightly from 214 currently to 215. On Friday, the Lakers lost to Portland 106-101 and dropped to the number seven in the Western Conference standings. They've lost eight of ten. They're really going to be reliant on Anthony Davis here with LeBron continuing to rehab his ankle. And it just looks more and more likely they'll be heading to that play-in game. And tough matchup here with the current two-seed in the West with the Phoenix Suns. 
the Suns are hot. They've won 12 of their last 16 and coming off that blowout win of the Knicks on Friday. But neither team has really been that good ATS lately. 100%. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I, but to me, this is a Suns game. This is one of those where you've got to really feel like they've got to show their dominance. I mean, they could get a chance to really – to really, to really uh, show that that they are the better team heading to the playoffs. I mean, the Lakers are two and two and eight over the last eight ga- ten games. I mean, this is the moment to do it. TG to your loved ones, Happy Mother's Day. Appreciate you as always, Director of Race and Sports over at the Borgata. Thank you, Thomas. Thanks, Thomas. Thank you, guys. Happy Mother's Day. Yep, thank you very much. Same. Thomas Gable's the best. We come back. We're going to run the board. Michael Lombardi, Josh Applebaum stops by here on the Lombardi line. GM tonight, Phillies, Braves, a VSIN 100 is the promo code. If either team hits a home run, you bet a dollar to win a hundred. It's paid for in free bets. It's a great deal. Go to betmgm.com for more terms and conditions. You got to be 21 years or older. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, Virginia. If you have a gambling problem, 1-800-2707-117 for help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Excuse me, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, 1 800 bets off in Iowa, 1 800 9 with it in Indiana. Call or text Redline, 800 889 9789 in Tennessee. Okay, we do welcome you back. Michael Lombardi in Jersey, Josh Applebaum joining. Market Insights is the pod. You can go to vsin.com slash podcast for more information. And as we do, we're just getting information coming in about Medina Spirit, who won the Kentucky Derby. Bob Baffert has been temporarily suspended from entering horses at Churchill Downs, where the suspension took place. Medina Spirit still getting tested, so we shall uh, find out more information. Should be okay for the Preakness. I'm not really sure where that stands, but Josh, you want to give us an update? Yeah, just an update here. I think it's going to be a really big story, not just in the you know the horse betting industry, but for betters also. This kind of has implications as well. So just digging a little bit deeper, guys. So uh, what we're looking at here uh, is a corticosteroid is what basically uh, the horse tested positive for, and it's called betamethasone. And basically what it does is an anti-inflammatory. It reduces pain in the joints of the horse as a result of osteoarthritis. So uh, again, he was found with 21 picograms of this substance here. That's double the limit that's allowed uh, in horse racing and really you know if you go to kind of the betting implications this is actually kind of rare i was digging doing a little research here but it's only the second time 148 years of racing in the Kentucky derby it's only the second time that a horse has uh been disqualified here and and the last time this happened was 1968 dancer's image was disqualified but here's the trick if you had bet on medina spear and patrick you mentioned 12 to 1 there uh with the winner last week you get to keep your money, but if this uh, continues and, and kind of the appeal process, it, it, it's upheld and, and everything you know happens with this um, this suspension here, the betters keep their money. But as you mentioned, Patrick, the horse, the the, the trainer um, it, it will have to basically give the money back. So again, it's it's very rare, but double the legal limit of this theory that's allowed was found in Medina Spirit. Mm. 
And this is not just the first time Baffert has faced this type of, uh, I mean, I think it's 30 times his horses have been found with illegal substance in it. And there is a reputation based on what he's done in the horse business that does imply that he will test the boundaries of the drug, uh, of the drugs, uh, chemicals within the horse's body. So, you know, I can understand why a horse would need this drug. I didn't understand until Josh explained it, the levels within the horse's body. So, I mean, Baffert's going to have to do some explaining here because clearly this isn't the first time it's happened. I think it happened at, uh, at, at, at another race about two months ago and he got fined $1,500 for it. Yeah, we shall see. More information, Kentucky Derby winner Medina Spirit does fail the drug test. We shall see. That's post-race as far as the drug testing. Uh, more to come on that story on deck. James Salinas and, of course, Brady Cannon with the pregame show. Anything breaks, they'll have it right here on VSIN. Okay, Josh, uh, let's get started. Anything change in about 50 minutes since you and I and Michael spoke as far as the market's concerned? Yeah, so just a bunch of updates here, guys. Then we'll hit on a little bit of NBA because interesting move here with the Miami Heat and a couple opportunities here. If you want to sweat in over, we have some system matches in the NBA. But just a bunch of updates in Major League Baseball. Uh, Michael, your White Sox, who uh, came through big for it yesterday, <laughs> are going up against another lefty, Michael, today. Uh, they're at uh, KC going up against Mike Miner. White Sox now 6-1 and one against lefties on the year. 14 and 0 against lefties last year. That brings them up to 20 and 1 against lefties over the last two years. Uh, so keep an eye on that one. Also in Chicago, the Cubs are great against lefties. They're playing the Pittsburgh Pirates here, and the Cubs are 7 and 1 against lefties this year. So they're a minus 156 favorite at home. Uh, you've also seen some money to Minnesota, Patrick. I'm sorry, your Detroit Tigers mm, here. A lot you. of steam against your Tigers, Patrick. But Minnesota with Kenta Maeda on the mound opening against Boyd. Uh, they open around minus 140. They're all up to like minus 165. So a lot of money coming in here on Minnesota. Looking for some dogs here. Uh, Baltimore Orioles, they're at home against the Red Sox. This is an early game, 105. You did see a little money coming in on Baltimore. It's a big pay, uh, public favor, you know, heavy, heavy favor uh, public game here to the Sox. Yet, Boston has fallen like minus 145 to minus 135. That line's moving a little bit here to the Orioles. Uh, and then a couple more. Keep an eye on the Texas Rangers. They're another lefty matchup here. They're 11-4 and four against lefties this year. They're at home against Seattle. You've seen Texas move around minus 125 to minus 135, even minus 140 here. And then some late night ones. Uh, Tampa Bay, Oakland, or it's a four o'clock game. Uh, they've also mashed lefties 10 and five against lefties. You've seen Oakland move a little bit around minus 110 to minus 115, nothing huge. And then Sunday night baseball. If you want to sweat Aaron Nola, uh, public is all over Atlanta at home here. Yet you've seen a little bit of movement here toward the Phillies around minus 105 to around minus 110. And Sunday night baseball favorites with a line move 61% uh, over the last five years, guys. Who knew that Michael Lombardi was a South Sider with the Sox? Huh? You just turned that <laughs> look, into his team. I, I mean, look, you know, you got to go with what you see. The numbers. I, I, I am completely unbiased in my baseball picks. I have no rooting interest. I just go with where the numbers tell me in the pitchers. You know, you know, when the White Sox face a left-hander, you know, I'm coming to order. I, I'm coming right up there. <laughs> All right, there you see, Mr. Baseball you know, Man. You know, why, why not? Why not? You know, why not? Why not go back at it again? You know, yeah. and you know, as as the guy used to make me sandwiches before I went to school, and I asked him for something, he said, "Well, you should, young man, and well, you should go back, right? <laughs> and well, you should." Somehow it was brought back to a sandwich. If you can get Bennett Salvatore in the mix, then really that's the trifecta. Hey. 
<laughs> Scotty, you know, Bennett Salvatore, Dick uh, J uh, Rush, Dick T, wasn't it Rush? Dick T Rush, I used to know all of them. I mean, it's like worldwide wrestling. Once you start knowing who the officials are, you're in trouble. You know, it's like I used to, but Bob McAwee, who lives about 20 blocks from here, when he did our games, I was I was okay with that. When some other guys did, when Johnny Greer did some games, like, oh, no, this is not going to be good. Speaking but, of NBA officiating, the Heat are at Boston. Have we seen a line flip here, Josh? Oh, here I have, we go. Let's see how he spins this oh, yeah, one. Let's yeah. see how he spins and, this and one. Is he yeah. going to fade his Celtics on Mother's Day? We shall yeah. see. Yeah. So <laughs> I will say, guys, I think um, our guy TG really laid this out great. But um, I will say it's Tommy Heinsohn Day in Boston. Tribute to a legend here. Great player. Coach. Uh, I grew up my whole life with him announcing games, Mike and Tommy. So it's Tommy Heinsohn Day in Boston. However, uh, look at the line movement. This looks, look, looks like a pretty sharp play for the Miami Heat. TG had mentioned a lot of these books open Celtics minus one, even a one and a half at some shops. We've now flipped dog to favorite with the Miami heat. So the Miami heat are now laying one. And it looks like this thing might be rising to minus one and a half. Uh, you would see the Celtics again, struggling here one and two, their last three Miami four and one, their last five. This would match with the Miami heat, a short road favorite with a line move. As long as that, that line is moving toward that short road favorite five or less that spot 49 and 32 ATS this year, 60% overall. These teams met only, once earlier this year remember they had that big series in the bubble uh but january 6th it was a 107 105 celtics win uh but that was at full strength and you have today no jalen brown who's been out here so uh we all love tommy here in boston but it looks like some money coming in here in here maybe a money line play michael what do you think would you take the heat in this spot or would you wait and maybe get a one and a half with the celtics you know i, I my question is butler playing is Jimmy Butler going to play? He's on the injury list. I just wasn't sure he was going to play. You know, so I know Oladipo's not going to play, but I was wondering about about whether he was, and certainly that always bothers me. You know, I think Tommy Heinsohn Day would lead me to staying away from the heat. I, I, I There's always, when you have those days, like I don't want to be on the other side of those days. For some reason, the players play better on days. You know, like, oh, we got this day, hot dog day. We're going to play good today. You know, it's like I worry about that. And Heinsohn was around the players. They all know him. It's a way to honor him, and I think they'll give a good effort. I, I, I always i am scared of Boston a little bit at times at home, Josh. And, and the numbers might not back me up, but I do think there's moments when they'll play well, and this is one of them. I'd like some inside information, Josh, on the Heat and Celtics <laughs> and their relations to their mothers because if they're good, I'm betting them today because that is important yeah. news. Well, But it's and Tommy Heinsohn Day. See, that's the difference. It's Mother's Day for everybody, but it's Tommy Heinsohn that's Day. That's true. You know I mean? And as you put it, you know, on I mean, those days, it's hard to bet against team on days. On days. And I'll you say, be real careful. And one more thing, guys. Michael, you're really I mean, going to love that's this. Scientific. <laughs> no, that's not is. scientific. In a weird way, it is. In a weird way, it is. Go ahead, Jeff. And, and, and one thing, Michael, just as I dig deeper, guess who one of the refs is today? Scott Foster, oh. our guy. Oh, of course guess he is. what? He's a big road guy. He's a big over guy. So that would lead a little bit to the heat. Uh, you know, Tommy would be going nuts. He loves getting on the refs uh, when he would always uh, call games. He'd say, this is ridiculous. But uh, this he is Scott Foster, road ref and an over ref. We did see this line rise a little bit. No Jalen Brown, but 220 and a half up to 222 and a half. So maybe that could be an X factor here. But our guy, Scott Foster, he's he's got the whistle today. Well, I mean, Boston's 21 and 13 at, uh, at home. They're 14 and 19 on the road. And, and the Heat are 20 and 15 
at home, and they're 16 and 16 on the road. But against the spread, they're 16 and 16, and against the spread for the Celtics at home, they're 18 and 16. So the balance is there. I, I just the day's going to bother me. I know Scott Foster. I mean, he's oh man. <laughs> I love it. Do I have to? I mean, it was Mother's Day. I was having a nice day. Oh, I like it. You got to look out for days, man. You do. They'll come. They'll days. Bite you. Day, they're days. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't pay attention to the days, I mean, like old timers day. You know, I mean, Josh has got all these numbers going back and forth. The, the, the 61% <laughs> right. on Sunday. What's the old timers day when you play at home and you know you're playing? The, you got the Yankee Stadium. How, they, how many old timer games have they won? Bet you they got a winning record on old timers day. Yeah, days. The handicapping secret. Days. A calendar. Day. <laughs> a day. When you have a Memorial Day coming in, like you know, if they did Bob Cousy Day, I bet they're good on Bob Cousy Day. Yeah. yeah. You know. No, I'm a big day guy. Uh, Timberwolves magic quickly. You're going over this total, Josh. Yeah, real Why quick. Not? I won't. Let's. What do you think, Michael? <laughs> We're going over here, baby. Minnesota, Orlando. It rose 229 up to 230. We got a lot of non-conference over. Uh, both teams going to be you. over. And bad defense, Michael. I don't have to say too much more. What do you think? Over 230. Bad defense. I mean, look, and, and you know what? The other thing is that you see the end of the season coming to you. So that, that business decision about getting in front of the charge is really, I don't need to do that. The season's <laughs> over. Let's just go. Let's play this thing through. Let's play a G League game today. Why not? You know? With all sincerity, the most important peeps on the planet, moms. Millie, of course, and thank you. Francine, thank you. Stephanie, let's go ahead and have some kids so we can get you in the mix. Okay? Josh, <laughs> Michael, have a great day. Now, now he's giving parent advice. I love it. Thank you, Patrick. Well, All the best. Got a little awkward. Uh, thank you, Josh. Appreciate <laughs> Thanks, it. Thanks, guys. Okay, the show later. is coming up next. James and Brady. Wow. Happy.